Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Good morning, everybody. Go to strengthguild.com, S-T-R-E-N-G-T-H-G-U-I-L-D.com. Scroll down to the Iron Radio Collections, and we've got new shirts and new banners for you to support the show. Everything from just a regular banner, regular shirt, to ones with sayings on them, like Lonnie's Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree shirt. And some news for you, we're going to have some contests for people who own these shirts and things. So if you support the show, we'll let you more on that later. So if you get in on these early, you can be one of the first people to win some prizes. So, thank you very much. Go check out the site, strengthguild.com. Scroll down to Iron Radio Collections and support the show. Welcome, Iron Radio listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiologist and a sports nutrition professor of about 20 years, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. This is Phil Stevens, strength coach from Strength Guild Powerlifter Highland Games athlete, and uh, that's about all the interesting I can think of today. So, it's early. Yes, uh, Dr. Mike T. Nelson, Fair to the Flex Diet Cert, uh, Associate Professor, Farrag Institute, and yeah, just got out of the short dunk in the freezer with 42 degree cold water, so Did it's getting you? colder now. Yeah. Nice. Hence the, the hair, that and the fact I haven't had a haircut in four months. Yeah, me, <laughs> me either. <laughs> Can't tell. Okay. Um, I've got one listener mail. And two pieces of news. And the news, Mike, um, you've been reading more about this than I have, but I picked up a lot on this stuff at the ASN meeting this past week. Um, basically about NAD precursors and stuff. I felt like I got a crash course. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was a good talk. So I was able to catch all four of those, I think, four or five. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, I know, right? Some of them. In fact, I might do a separate video, just like a recap, because, I mean, there was one session had like, Hamesfield, um, Don Lehman, uh, Bill Evans, like all in the same session. I'm like, you know. Oh, yeah. This protein is, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, solid gold. Yeah. Okay. But I digress. Let's get to this uh, listener mail. This is from longtime listener uh, Rich. He says, hope you and your families are staying both healthy and sane during these unique times. Listening to the podcast tonight regarding taking amino acids in capsule form versus whey protein in liquid form. I was curious to get your take on Beverly International's beef liver tablets. Here's a link. Uh, I've been taking them during this stay at home. Lucky to have a full home gym in the basement. Um, and I've seen some nice gains for a 52-year-old. Best regards, Rich. Uh Mike, I, you probably haven't looked at this stuff in ages, but if I could put you on the spot just a little. General thoughts about desiccated liver tabs? That's what he's talking about here. Yeah. That's like as old school as you get. It is. That goes way back. Um, I don't know. It's one of those things where, you know, for many years I was like, oh, that's the stupidest idea ever. Why are people still doing that? We have protein. We have whey protein now. And then... I don't know. Like, sometimes I wonder about things that just sort of stand the test of time. doesn't automatically mean that they're good, but it kind of makes you wonder if there's 
something there. And then, you know, looking at some blood work from athletes, you see people, even guys that are low in iron and other things like that. And you look at how often do they eat organ meats? It's almost never. And even red meat sometimes consumption is, is lower. So I don't know. I think there might be something to that, that it might be helpful. Um, I tried the, the thing I wonder about is the processing though. Like the old school ones, like, I mean, I tried them for a while. They were like stamped. They looked like they had sawdust imprinted in them. They were just very hard tablets. Like I got the impression the quality may not be super high. And I don't even remember what brand I was using. Um, I did talk to the guys who run, I think it's Ancestral Supplements. They're going to kick me if I got the wrong name, but I can find a link. Um, so they've gone back. They're in New Zealand and processing all sorts of different uh, ancestral, I guess you could say, parts of the cow from the trachea to the heart to mix to liver. And I've tried that with a few clients and it, again, anecdotally seems to help. Um, and they, I talked to them a fair amount about where do they get their sourcing and it's freeze dried and they test it and they hepatoxic, you know, test the liver and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know, I guess I would say maybe, I don't know anything about that particular brand. I know Beverly has been around for a long time. And as far as I know from industry insiders, it seems like their quality has always been pretty good. But again, I don't have any direct knowledge on that. And then I guess the last comment is I took some liver out of my freezer again to try it myself because we got it from a local farmer in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And then I made the mistake of pulling research on it and looking and there is some incidence of potential getting critters from eating raw liver and things of that nature that's published. But again, that's probably they didn't control the source. You don't know where it came from and all that kind of stuff. So uh, it's been sitting in my fridge still though for seven days and I haven't, <laughs> haven't done anything with it. So maybe I just froze myself into no action. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as a general rundown, I actually had to go remind myself. I mean, there's the obvious stuff, I guess, like B12 and vitamin A, you know, yep. uh, iron, tons of iron. Um, but it's a pretty good source of virtually all the B vitamins, as I could tell. Interestingly, I think this is so old school that the Office of Dietary Supplements, ODS.gov, they don't have a specific listing for it that I can find. Oh, um, wow. So, I yeah, maybe it's that old school. Um I clicked on the Beverly International store link uh, that Rich sent. It, it, it goes on a little bit about iron source and heme and oxygen transport. These are not things that most, you know, to use Phil's terms, grown-ass men really need extra iron. Um, yeah. Unless you're bleeding in some way or you're living exclusively on, like, dairy powders, you don't really need a lot of iron as a male. I mean, men don't have a way to get rid of it every month like women, right? So it's the only micronutrient um, that men need less than women. I think the RDA is like 8 milligrams a day. Women's 18, right? But women have the menstrual cycle. Um, So, Rich, I I don't know. I'm sure you can find a a study or two here and there suggesting it might help with recovery or something or a general vague sense of energy, I guess my take was a little more negative than yours, Mike. This is my usual, but which is it's been around for so long. I don't know. I just don't care that much. But I mean, if you do, Rich, if you feel like you have a, a greater sense of energy and you're being honest with yourself and all that, and try not to fall into a placebo effect. I mean, you're a you're a War Scarred veteran, dude. So I don't think you're going to be in that category. But uh, Phil, yeah. 
what do you think about liver tablets? I mean, can you remember back the first time you heard about yeah. these? Oh, that was a long time ago. Um, yeah, and everybody used to pop them like crazy back in the day. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard anybody taking them in a long time. I mean, you're talking people took them when like protein powders were new <laughs> or yep. prior. Yep. You know, and that, it was kind of like that. That was the outlet, but uh, haven't heard much about them since then. So. What, what the purpose was just general, like a few grams of protein or branch chains or something. Oh, um, yeah, that's that's the way I took it. Yeah, yeah. So you used to get little tablets. People chew them up. Oh, eh. yep. But. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I remember back in the uh, early '80s, that was like one of maybe half a dozen different sports nutrition products. You know, the yeah. uh, liver tabs. Uh, like some really unmixable casein. You guys remember that yeah. stuff. Yep. Um, so, uh, okay. Uh, let's just move on in other Iron Radio uh, news. I just want to give a shout out to Sandy. Thank you, Sandy, for supporting the show. That was a, a generous donation. Um, oh, and on to some science news. Let's take a look at this. Strength and Muscle Sport News. So I mentioned learning some new things at the American Society of Nutrition last week. Uh, it was free. I don't know if it's going to remain free, but there are some video videos available there that are just so good. Um, and if it's still free, anybody should just register uh, as a guest and see if they can't soak some of that up. The one thing that I wanted to touch on here was um, I saw a talk there about NAD precursors. And Mike and I were just talking about this on the show. The idea is that they're, they help with energy metabolism, right? Many people have heard of the Krebs cycle, sort of the central metabolic wheel. Your cells, I mean, the ATP that comes from the Krebs cycle is like 90% of your daily ATP kind of thing. Anyway, NAD is one of the molecules that kind of approaches the Krebs cycle, gets charged up like a battery, if you will, and then goes to your electron transport chain um, and lets you sort of cash in on the energy. So one of the concerns, and that I was just getting a crash course in this, but is that as you age, that you get less, essentially, less NAD. It's just a niacin derivative. It's not just niacin, though. Uh, So let me just read a paper that I scrounged up here about this. This is directly from what I just learned at the conference. So it says a reduced form of nicotinamide riboside, and that's one of these precursors, uh, NR, defines a new path for NAD plus biosynthesis and acts as an orally bioavailable NAD plus precursor. Uh, If you're not old like me, maybe this isn't that big of a deal, but I was interested enough. I pulled the trigger and I actually got a a bottle of it. Um, But this is from Judith Giroud, G-I-R-O-U-D, and many colleagues here. But it basically says a decay in intracellular NAD plus levels is one of the hallmarks of physiological decline in normal tissues. Uh, Accordingly, supplements, right, dietary supplements with NAD plus precursors, Uh, can prevent, alleviate, or even reverse multiple metabolic complications uh, of age-related disorders. And this is in different models, I guess, different animal models and that sort of thing. So there's a whole constellation of NAD plus precursors. Uh, Nicotinamide riboside, or NR, has gotten the most attention. Now, these authors suggest that NR is not stable in circulation. Um, They're actually producing here... um, 
it's it's NRH. So it's a reduced form of this nicotinamide riboside. Uh, anyway, it's apparently works through a slightly different mechanism, and and it can boost uh, NAD plus in cells. So one of my interests is is this going to become Sort of like what Mike, you and I were saying before about, you know, creatine. If you would have told me years ago, oh, you just eat more creatine, you'll have more and the whole energy system will be boosted. I would have been like, no, dude, wishful thinking, right? That you don't just eat parts of the Krebs cycle or eat parts of your energy systems and then you have them. Uh, But I would have been wrong because creatine is, you know, there's probably 400 plus papers now about repeat explosive performance and whatnot. Whether or not these NAD precursors let you cash in uh, and have more energy as like a young fit athlete that's a different story but what about some of us who are not so young anymore just a couple of tidbits from this article here from judith Giroud. mammalian organisms can synthesize nad plus and again this is an energy i in, in class i teach this like an iou it's like it's not atp right it's not cell energy but it's sort of a i owe you later because it goes and gets cashed in in the electron transport chain in your little mitochondrial furnaces anyway um can synthesize nad plus from Different sources. First, they mentioned the tryptophan pathway. So it could take the amino acid tryptophan in a 10-step process and make some NAD for you. Um, The most used pathway, according to them, is a salvage pathway. I don't know, just essentially to rebuild your NAD. Um, It goes on about some of the people in the past, like Brenner, who have described how nicotinamide riboside constitutes yet a... Another pathway to make NAD plus. Um, this says, let's see here. NA and NAM collectively are termed niacin. Uh, they've been previously used to treat pellagra. That's just a deficiency disease. We don't really want to go there. Um, but that's an overt state of NAD plus deficiency. It says NA acts as an agonist. Again, so niacin acts as a, an agonist through G proteins in cells. I'm not going to bore you. Um, but could lead to painful, spontaneous niacin flushing. And any of you who've taken more than several hundred milligrams of niacin, you know that's true. Real hot flush. I had a bad experience. I've talked about that on the show in years past when I was young. I was really excited about niacin, and I overdid it. Uh, <laughs> and I didn't know what I didn't know what was happening. I was an ignorant, you know, undergrad at the time, and I'm like, oh my god, what's happening to me? Um, a couple more points here. Uh, there's been considerable attention on the use of NR, so again, the, this riboside version uh, as a dietary supplement. Administration of these compounds in rodents have been shown to reduce diet and age-related metabolic complications, including insulin insensitivity, fatty liver, kidney damage, and some other things. Uh, similarly, some of these NAD precursor compounds uh, afford protection against age-related physiological decline in mice. That's very interesting. Uh, and it, again, it says uh, NR, so that's sort of the, the most popular one, if you will, that uh, nicotinamide riboside. Uh, NR, let's see, has been shown in particular to increase the lifespan of all species tested to date. <laughs> wow, <laughs> including mice. Um, and then it talks about how there has to be some extracellular conversion and things like that when you take other forms, uh, convert it to NR so it can be taken up by cells. Uh, It talks about a safety profile is good up to two grams per day. Um, 
It does say that NR, again, this most common of them, rapidly degrades in plasma. And again, that's why they're coming out with the reduced version in this paper. Again, yet another NAD precursor. And they say that this NRH uh, shows an unprecedented ability to increase NAD plus in cultured cells and in mice and is even more potent and faster than NR. So it's interesting stuff. Uh, I won't bore you with any more details. I just want to turn people on to this idea that um, NR is a precursor to NAD plus in cells. And any of you who have got a little bit of biology background, remember your Krebs cycle stuff, that's, that's significant. So this looks legitimate. This is not the only paper. This is, you know, sort of a special analog of it. But it was enough that I thought, I'm going to pull the trigger. I'll get some NR, the most common, the most popular one right now, because this NRH, I haven't really seen much on the market yet. Oh, uh, I should point out, this paper is a brief communication from molecular metabolism, June of 2019. So maybe not even quite on the market yet, but... Yeah, I think that might be the one I posted on my Facebook page and tagged a bunch of people. Um, I don't... I think Chromadex has the patent on it, and I don't think there's any commercial release of it yet um chromadex i believe also has a patent on mr yep. if i remember yep. correctly mm-hmm. and then as we talked about last week if you talk to like dr david sinclair he's a bigger fan of nmn mm-hmm. which is sort of another analog um and then you've got some crazy people doing just straight nad as an iv push which i guess is utterly horrible and feels really bad but I can't say I would recommend that, nor have I done it. <laughs> so, I don't know. I mean, the animal data I've seen, like you said, is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. And again, a jump from, you know, rats and mice to humans is always a massive jump. And was it Rubin- Rubinowitz or Rubinsky? I got that name probably wrong. I want to say they've only done one trial in humans and exercise, and I don't remember that it was all that positive, but I went to try to find it, and I couldn't find it. So, oh. again, I could have completely made that up and it's too early in the morning i didn't look it up yet but yeah it's safety profile appears to be really good and appears to be pretty well studied which is what makes me at least more optimistic about it because there's probably not as much of a downside on that at least from what we know um i did spec out if i were to do nmn at like a relatively high dose and use resveratrol with it it's like what sinclair recommends about how much it would cost me to do 80 days, even at a reduced dose. And I came up with $700. So I haven't done it yet. <laughs> yeah. If you would have said yes, I'd be like, Mike, you have too much uh, <laughs> money and or time. Especially for yeah. something with, you know, the kind of vague. If you, I haven't really dug oh, into this that much, but like human trials and stuff. Like, what do you... If I'm going to live longer, that's good. If it's healthy years and this and that. Like, I saw some interesting stuff about skin and rejuvenating your skin and stuff like that. I mean, there, yeah. there's some interesting stuff. And we know, and we talked about this before, this has been on the edges of nutrition and supplementation for a long time. This idea of supplementing to boost NAD. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. Like I said, if creatine works, why not this? It's, you know. It's not exactly in the same pathway, but just suffice to say, they're both part of your energy system, cellular energy systems. I'm, you know, I, I, I bought a bottle, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it like every other day and stretch out a bottle for a month or two, and 
I don't know if 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 I come on here next time we do a video and I got a full head of hair and a black hair. goatee or something, <laughs> then then you'll know it works. Uh, yeah. There's been data going back to I think the first time it was studied is the early 2000s I think. So it's been around and studied for a while, which at least makes me feel a little bit more comfortable because, as you guys all know, like any new compound in the supplement industry you can have like one study in rats you're like hey, let's put it in a bottle come on <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah um the comment from this uh judith uh researcher about how there's a whole constellation of them that makes a lot of sense to me like you're talking about different kinds i'm still catching up with a lot of this stuff suffice it to say you can't just take niacin like that's not gonna no that's been shown probably not to have the benefit yeah I mean, niacin is a therapeutic for dyslipidemia. If you've got wacky blood yep. cholesterol, it's going to help. Um, if you can tolerate that niacin flush, I get it badly. Um, yeah. There's a no-flush niacin, which is debatable if it has the same effects and that kind of stuff. Yeah, or here's a paper just before we uh, go to break. You could, some people could take niacin, um, aspirin, before they take regular niacin, uh, and it helps with the flush a little. But this is yeah. from W-H-E-L-A-N, Whelan and colleagues – this is not a new paper at all. A Journal of Family Practice, 1992. Uh, let me just jump to the, the bottom line here. Aspirin reduced the incidence of warmth and flushing associated with niacin, but not the itching and tingling. So yeah. less hot, maybe less red, but not any better for the tingling weirdness. Um, the conclusion here, it says, it appears that from this pilot study preceding niacin with a 325 milligram dose, just a, you know, one typical aspirin tablet, will decrease the warmth and the flushing uh, if you want to take mm -hmm. niacin. I would not take a lot of niacin. Um, no. The RDA is like 16 milligrams. You don't need these like three and 400 milligram doses or more that they'll, they'll use for uh, dyslipidemia. In fact, when I was a, like I said, when I was a, an undergrad, the reason I did this was because I'm like, oh, I can improve my blood cholesterol. But I have a family history of low blood cholesterol. I was just an idiot. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, keep your eyes open, I guess. Just, you know, if we're going to provide any service here, keep your eyes open for stuff like um, these NAD precursors. Maybe they'll start dabbling with them in athletes. Uh, there seems to be a whole constellation. I just went with the NR stuff because it seems to have the most attention. You know, like all those forms of creatine came out after uh, creatine monohydrate. All of them were supposed to be better in some way. Mm, no, just create, just give me the stuff that's most studied right now. Uh, although I'm not, I'm not saying that these other things like adding stuff like resveratrol. I saw some products with that, Mike, uh, yep. or other things. Or uh, some had like they were just mixes of niacin and ri uh, ribose. Mm, okay, I guess, but I'm just going to go with this NR stuff myself for right now and and see what happens. Yeah, so. I think as the price of NR comes down, NMN is still probably a lot more expensive. It appears. I think as the price comes down, it's probably going to show up in like every supplement known to man, and will probably be way underdosed just due to sheer cost of producing a supplement. Yep. <laughs> All right, I'll tell you what. Let's go to break, uh, and then when we come back, we're going to do the top three. I was remiss in saying this at the beginning. Top three gym exercises uh, as far as circuit training. So we'll be back. Hello, dear ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, you know who this is. Uh, so I'm here to tell you about uh, Dr. Mike T. Nelson's uh, new book, uh, Why You Should Eat Keto. 
I don't do it because, I mean, look at me. Come on, I'm fabulous and I'm fantastic. Anyway, you should text the Keto ebook all in one word to 44222 to receive your free copy. Do it. Do it now. Hey listeners, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. If you've ever had anyone critique you uh, on your protein intake as part of your weightlifting lifestyle, oh, you poor meathead, all that extra protein is going to rot your kidneys or weaken your bones or dehydrate you or give you gout or who knows what. Uh, There is a book available. You could simply Google CRC Press and Lowry. And what I've done is reach out to experts all over the world And create a book, a single compendium that you can hold up and say, this is why I consume extra protein. This can be very valuable when you're um, being quote unquote educated uh, by various professionals on the topic. Uh, There's enormous amount of literature in this book on the safety, uh, the effectiveness, how protein works in cells, the history of protein and weight trainers, uh, much more. So again, please check out CRC Press and Protein and Lowry. You can just Google that, and uh, I do, full disclosure, I do make a small single-digit royalty on the book, but that's not why I did it. I did it so we can all have something, uh, our particular population, uh, to both defend what we do and to inform our nutrition and our eating. Thanks. Iron Radio is, of course, primarily a podcast. But over the years, there have been technical glitches calling for backup streaming and listeners who wanted the convenience of other sources of audio content. Toward this end, Iron Radio is now simulcast and backed up on YouTube. If needed, please search Lawnman07 or Iron Radio from within YouTube. There's not much video, but if you like to listen through YouTube on a Roku or other living room device, there you go. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. All right, welcome everybody. We're back. It's Phil and Mike and Lonnie, and we're going to talk about top three gym exercises uh, for circuit training. So heavy circuits, right? So we're not probably going to be talking much about isolation movements on a piece of like Nautilus or something in your local Y. We're talking about like what would these guys choose as, you know, substantial important parts if you're going to build uh, a circuit for yourself, I also want to point out gym-related stuff, if possible. I don't mean stuff like random calisthenics and sort of a you know cycling loop kind of thing, the home workouts. I guess a lot of people talking about that stuff these days. You know, there's P90X and Insanity, all that stuff that's come out over the years, and I'm like, N- that's not what I mean. And I know you guys know that. Um, Are you talking about just like uh, if you were to set up a simple Metcon for yourself? Yeah. Money? 
Yeah, I mean, something, I mean, the traditional uh, definition of circuit training, you know, just if you think about like textbook definition, like uh, a nice combination of resistance work that's actually going to be hypertrophic on some level and get some cardio in while you're at it, Yeah. you know. Um, my formation with this in the gym has just been rotate through sort of compound multi-joint movements, but sometimes it's hard to do in a gym if, unless it's dead, <laughs> frankly. Yeah. You know, you kind of come back to the squat rack. Hey, get off the squat rack. I was just here, yeah. you know. But <laughs> but Phil could probably set this up in small groups. And I mean, well, let's start with that. Do you ever do this kind of stuff, Phil, with your people? Yeah, I think the most thing we use it on now is strongman stuff. I mean, yeah. the medleys and things like that. So we do a mm-hmm. lot of that. Um, you know, I don't know. The same bag carry, flip a tire, push a sled type of thing. Um and that's probably the most we do it on. I mean, I've done it from everything from, you know, pairing squats and sit-ups and, you know, across the board over the years. Uh, hell, when I started training, I remember it was kind of circuit training based. I'd have like six or eight exercises and I just ran through them. And that was my workout when yeah. I first started. Um, <clears throat> you know, you'd squat, bench, blah, blah, blah. But probably right now the most we do is strongman type stuff. It just it, it works well and it's more interesting. It's fun. Yeah. So we'll do little medleys and things like that. Um, and then, I mean, other than that, I mean, we do some some pairing exercises, you know, antagonist pairs and things like that. But that's more to save time than anything else. I'd say conditioning-wise, you know, strength endurance work is probably what we use it on the most now. So, right. Yeah, and it's a good point. I'm not really talking about, like, um, agonist-antagonist work necessarily or something like giant sets or supersets or whatever. I'm yeah. just – like switching gears for like a, almost a whole body kind of experience, yeah. I guess, you know, yeah. um, or central metabolism boost. How about you, Mike? Yeah. Like some movements or how do you uh, how do you go about these things? Yeah, very similar. I mean, I'm lucky that uh, we live at the end of a street and I can drag all sorts of crazy shit out in the middle of the street. And the neighbors are so used to it now they don't care, which is nice. <laughs> Deconditioned. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, pretty much. Uh, but one of them I've used a, a fair amount for, let's say, lighter Metcon, where I don't want to beat someone up that much. So I'll take the tire out, and we'll do, like, kettlebell swings, and then we'll take a sledgehammer, hit the tire, and then maybe, like, a reverse sled drag, and then repeat that. Or do step-ups on the tire, or push-ups to the tire, or, you know, trying to keep it mostly concentric-y stuff. You can oh. just run that in a loop, and mm-hmm. people don't get too beat up from it um so that's a good one i've used a fair amount um other stuff i like is just kettlebells in general um if they're good at doing snatches do kettlebell snatches um even kettlebell hand-to-hand stuff so kind of switching the kettlebell one side to the other side is good if they have the skill to do that outside don't hit your feet um so i kind of like that sleds are good um we've got a big rope we bought from a kansas somewhere a dock supply store and for a sled, I just took an old car tire, cut the top off, and put boards in the bottom and put weight on it. So when you're pulling that on the asphalt, it's not as loud as a normal sled, so I don't wake up all the neighbors in the morning. And then uh, you don't need a lot of resistance because the tire is very sticky against the asphalt, so you don't have to put, like, several hundred pounds of plates on it. Um, so that works pretty good, and it's dirt cheap. You can run a rope through that and if you want to do, like, hand-over-hand stuff or pulling or reverse sled drags and... Um, the other part that I've used, too, that if people don't have access to any equipment and don't have a lot of room, like I'll do it in the winter, is just uh, trap bar deadlifts for higher reps. 
I don't like necessarily doing them with normal deadlifts unless someone's really experienced in doing CrossFit or something where they have to do that. But trap bar deadlift or farmer uh, bar deadlift, you know, 225 for reps of 20, 25. Mm-hmm. Just repeat that and don't really need to do anything else. That sucks really bad. <laughs> <laughs> the concentric uh, focus, I think that's that's a little gold nugget there for sure because, yeah, the, my risk would be – I get sore longer than I used to, so I don't want to get – like if I do everything – like let me give you an example. Like here's the way I would do this at Pep's Gym. I would do like weighted dips, weighted chins, and then squat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, or uh, I'd go in my backyard and I would do like a clean and press. Just put like 135 on the bar and you know, just kind of clean it and push press it, drop it right to kind of reduce the eccentric and just wash, rinse, repeat. Just do stuff like that. But now I, 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 the old bodybuilding stuff with the body part splits actually works better for me because I can actually work out more often during the week, you know, instead of like doing one of these whole body things get wrecked because maybe I didn't focus on the concentric enough. You know, I, I overdid the eccentric and then I get sore on Monday and then I can't lift again until Thursday, uh, you yeah. know, that kind of stuff. But so, yeah, when I think about this kind of stuff, I guess this maybe this is my you know, bodybuilding history background stuff, but it's like weighted dips, chins, uh, military presses, squats, deadlift, clean and press, just stuff that I can put in a rotation and go from one to the next to the next instead of just standing around in between sets, you know? I mean, the one thing about circuit training in the old definition is it's efficient, right? I mean, yeah, you, you, you get a lot of density, you got a lot of work in there, um, hit all the muscle groups, uh, so yeah. one thing I did recently, which I realized is, especially being more in the winter, it's like, oh, I tend to only do very sagittally based stuff in the winter, especially because I can't go outside and don't have a lot of room. And I don't do a lot of explosive overhead work because I don't have a lot of room to ditch a barbell if I had to. Like, I'm probably going to damage a bunch of <laughs> stuff yeah. in my garage or a wall. So I just tend not to do it. So lately I took a two and three of the eighth inch uh, handle bolted some uh, weights onto it for just a heavy circus dumbbell, but it's pretty small. And then I just started doing a one arm strict clean and press with that. And at the top, I've got the same tire, put a rubber mat on the top and you can just, just ditch the weight into that. And it's probably not going to bounce too much. And I'm not going to make huge, massive craters in my yard either, which isn't so fun. Yeah. Um, So just switch doing that left hand, right hand, do some easy kettlebell windmills, do some kettlebell juggling hand-to-hand, and then just do that as an easy circuit. I wouldn't say that's a, a Metcon or anything, but just if you need a concentric E-based day, some light movement, some movement patterns I'm probably not getting exposed to a lot of. I've been doing that more often, and that's been kind of fun. Inside grass. It's a good point about the yard, and because some of this stuff you guys are mentioning outside, the one thing that I've done outside is those sort of you know clean and press things, but... I have a poor man's patio. Kelly and I call it the studio, like the pseudo patio. <laughs> it's it's really it's just those. Um, I put down some anti weed screen and a and some landscaping ties and a. It's those rubbery playground mulch things. You know what I'm talking oh, yeah, about, yeah. Um, and it works great. Uh, for that kind of stuff. So anybody who, you know, you're desperate to do something at home. And, of course, like, you could just pitch it. You know what I mean? Punch it overhead yeah. and just step back and almost let it fall and um, not do much damage. Like, I, there's no way I could lift like that in my house, you know. Like, you know how they do in, like, college weight rooms and stuff with their uh, 
the cleans and the snatches and they just step back and let it fall. That's not going to happen in my basement, I can tell you. So, um. yeah. I have purchased the high temp uh, bumper plates. I bought them, man, almost five years ago now to initially do it with axle stuff outside so I could drop the axle from overhead in the street. And they've actually held up really, really well. I thought I was going to just destroy them within a year, but they've actually held up quite well and weren't, you know, ridiculously expensive. They they bounce a little funny. I mean, if you're a hardcore Olympic lifter, I probably wouldn't recommend them. But for what I've been doing and abusing the shit out of them, they work fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, those things got some major bounce to them. But oh yeah, comparatively. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. What about you personally, Phil? Is there any time during the year where you get into this. I mean, I yeah, yeah. obviously you have strong main interest, but beyond that, well, like I just did. I mean, you could you could say Dan John's ten thousand swing thing. I just did is some kind of circuit, yeah, know, because yeah. it'll be yeah. set of kettlebells, set of pushups, set of kettlebells, set of chins, blah blah blah. So yeah, I mean, I just went through a five week cycle of that where that's all I did. Um, a lot of times I'll mix in like whatever I'm lacking. Like at any given point in time, I start ignoring something. And like, oh, crap, I haven't done chins in a while. So I'll just say, you know, okay, it's squat day. I'll do a set of squats, do a set of chins, do a set of squats, do a set of chins, do my assistance work, set of chins, and just mix that in, you know. Um, But I don't don't do a ton of it, um, except for when I'm pushing my conditioning up and things like that. Like I said, it's it's an easy way to not be bored. Yeah. You know, if you mix four or five things together, and it's a lot – more fun than okay i'm gonna push this sled for 30 minutes you know that oh. sucks. You know, it gets old so i mean yeah. even just switching from move to move gets a little more exciting or you know a lot of times the way we'll do it is you know you got more than one person doing it so you'll take turns and yep. oh sh- crap yep. he went he he went four seconds faster than me i better pick it up you know, yeah yeah that type of thing so yeah yeah you know i think the flip side of having some interest in variety is I guess over the decades, I've gotten in a mood. Like, if I'm in back mood, I just want to do back, you know? Um, And so this takes that from me. Circuit training, uh, and again, using sort of the old uh, terminology, but that it's so broad, you know? And like, I guess to your point, like, what's monotonous to me is like this general like the Metcon kind of idea. If all I'm going to do is try to get some metabolic conditioning and cardiovascular stuff, this is way better. And I think this is powerlifters kind of, to me, my bias is watching powerlifters is how I learned how to do this in a more fun way, right? And it's not like get on a bike and just pedal at a 70%, you know, for an hour. Um, You can get a lot more benefit and functionality when you actually, you know, get outside and push and drag sleds and all that kind of stuff. It just seems more fun. But yeah, if you're oh, yeah. if you're like me, it does take some of it takes the theme out of a theme day in the gym. But I guess that's not really the point of it. It's efficient and you get a lot of work done in a short period, I guess. Yeah, and I think, you know, going to the powerlifter thing, I think a lot of people take they could benefit from something like this for their assistance work. I think a lot of people like it's squad day today. That's the event. So right. you give that your time and energy. But I think a lot of people then try and bring that to their assistance work too. Okay, I got to do good mornings, and they turn that into an event, and then uh-huh. all, all of a sudden you have this six-hour training program. When it's like, eat, spend your time on your squats, and now let's just push through that other stuff. You know, pick it up a little bit. Let's get yeah. some blood flowing, and uh, you know, that's we got a, a a new guy that's been training with me for a month now, and that was the biggest thing that he noticed was the pace 
at which we work. It's like, okay, it's your turn. You know, right. He just squatted. So you squat, you squat, you squat. We just, okay, your rest time is while he's going. Wow. You know, let's get this done. If not, yeah. I'm going to be here all day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know how you said, you, you said sometimes you fall out of, um, you know, just being good at certain things. There's been many times over the years where I've, I've fallen into this like three to five minutes between sets. You know, I'm benching or something and I just kind of stand around. And I listen to my headphones and I might be getting ready for the next set, but I'm still like, that's not going to fly in your gym. It sounds like, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. so, um, yeah. yeah, I think a lot of that depends on your aerobic base too. Like I've set up most people, if their aerobic base is pretty good, I'll set up like their maybe a squat and an easy thing like a pull up, right? So the main event is your squat or your deadlift. The pull up's just kind of an accessory doing your rest period, yeah. pay your rest, then go. And then after that, accessory stuff is like, three to four exercises, just kind of one after the other. And if I'm not sure, especially online, I just tell them, monitor your heart rate. You know, if you're hitting like 120 the whole time, eh, you're probably not in that good of a condition. But if you do a set and then within, you know, 30 seconds, your heart rate's back at 80, yeah, you're fine to do the next set. So mm -hmm. just walk through and do your accessory stuff. You can recover enough to keep the quality of lifting high and not turn it into a Metcon because that's not the goal. Right, um, right. Where if your aerobic base isn't that good, then your accessory work, everything turned into a Metcon. And, yeah. and a lot of times that's not the goal of what I was trying to program for that person. Right. I guess that's what I was trying to articulate when I said, you know, with this sort of a hypertrophic focus, like enough weight yeah. that it's not just about your freaking cardiopulmonary system, you know, but... All right. Well, I, hopefully there are some uh, insights and tidbits for everybody as far as um, circuit training stuff. Uh, we're actually going to call it a little bit early today because we've got a, a video to record after this. If you're just listening to this audio podcast, uh, we're going to start doing some unboxing and, you know, taste test and whatnot uh, with different products. Uh, protein. Today is going to be protein donuts. We're going to just give them a try so we got different stuff coming down the pike here like fitness related food products maybe some other stuff down the road too um so uh look at our youtube channel i guess the iron radio youtube channel uh if you want to check that out or just go to www.ironradio.org links for all this stuff will be there so uh that'll be it for today Hey listeners, have you seen the store at ironradio.org? There are three halls in the store. One for Phil, one for Fortress, and one for myself, Dr. Lowry. And they're thematic. So you can go into our Halls of Iron store and choose based on your goal. If you need something to learn or read or something nutritional, you can look in my store. Uh, Lonnie's store. If you want something about injury prevention uh, or competition, then take a look at Phil's Hall of Iron. And if you want something about motivation or daily training, Fortress's Hall has what you're looking for. There are some fun heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores. We try to make it a little more fun than the average boring online store. And whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced, you can take heart that you're not wasting your time. The things that we put in each hall of iron are actually based on our own recommendations. Protein powders that we know to be good, uh, knee sleeves, wraps of some kind, things that Fortress uses in his own training. 
the stuff you, you see, you know is good. This way you don't waste time. So check out the Iron Radio store at ironradio.org and um, let us know what you think on the forums and certainly you can request products and we will uh, screen them before they go in. So thanks for listening. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.